Welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show with Landon Witt. You're about to learn hyper-local market knowledge happening right now in the Oklahoma City real estate market. This is your fresh weekly report on housing conditions in Oklahoma City that will enable you to make smarter investment decisions and gain insight on local trends. Plan your next move in real estate with this fast, vital market news to aid your next real estate adventure. Landon is a genuine, self-made top realtor in Oklahoma City with millions of dollars in real estate closed every year and hundreds of satisfied clients. He's a successful investor, property manager, and residential broker who's worked with clients from all over the globe to help achieve their real estate goals. This program will help you gain the much sought after hyper-local information that's vital to making real estate decisions. Whether you live right here in the city or across the country, welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. Here is your host, Landon Witt. Welcome to episode 39 of the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. On today's show, we previously recorded back in Oklahoma City, Alex Owens, the acquisition manager for Berry Rock Homes. These folks purchase millions of dollars in real estate each and every year as part of their workflow of being a hard money lender and also an investor themselves. It's always good to chat with those guys to see what investors are buying with hard money loans, what they are buying with their own finances. And we talk about some strategy that they're employing throughout the Oklahoma City area full disclosure, this week's episode is coming live from the Florida Keys. I went with the producer and I, we snuck away and we are in a camper van traveling the Florida coastline looking for some awesome dive spots. We've been diving in Key Largo. Actually, we battled some rough uh, rain over the weekend, but uh, the the waves have settled down. Uh, I love how the the rain attenuates the waves, and now we've got some settled waves out there, and going to be some good visibility coming up tomorrow. So we'll do some more diving then. But I love you guys enough to continue to broadcast this podcast, and I think it would just be fun. Thought it was fun to do this here while we're traveling. But anyways, I want to get into some of the market stats I've been watching. You know, this time of year, it's always that transition from winter into spring and into summer and the inventory fluxes. And you know what? It's doing it nationally as well with lower inventory. I mean, even here in Florida, uh, they're running with lower inventory and the higher end inventory sitting on the market for longer. So you have low inventory in the 300 and under price point, really 400 and under, just selling super fast here after talking with some of the brokers here. And and really, that's the same sentiment that we're getting in Oklahoma City, where it's, it's really that 300 and under, like 250 and down is just moving really fast. Even in Edmond, though, if you've got 50 days to sell your home, and you're under 400,000, you're really moving fast too. And those homes that are nice and creative, um, I mean, the homes in, in Edmond that would be like in comparison to here in Florida, it's like they would be $25 million homes. Whereas in Edmond, you can get them for a million, you know, or 800,000. So really interesting market change. I think that's a lot of the lure 
to Oklahoma City for a lot of folks, even the folks here that are talking about selling their property and then moving into the Midwest because they can just get so much more real estate. And for those that maybe don't go out and and do the snorkeling or diving anymore or boating, and they're really trying to look for a place to retire, the Midwest is extremely attractive to be able to just pay cash for these properties. With nothing to do else... I'm going to get into the market report so we can get back to the beach here. Um, And by the way, if you are on the north, I know a lot of you guys are in New York City in this. It's 81 degrees here today. 81 degrees. I'm in shorts and a t-shirt and flip-flops. And (laughs) I've been in flip-flops for the the last three days. Uh, Awesome. Incredible. And we're going to be here for another... Uh, three days, and then we'll be traveling back to Oklahoma City. We, for those of you that we've got deals under contract, no worries. Uh, we've got our team there in Oklahoma City taking excellent care. Some of you have still been emailing back and forth, and you know what? I brought my Wi-Fi. We've got a Wi-Fi in the van. It's just been fun. I like to travel like a hippie because that's, that's my true calling is the hippiness. So looking at the REOs the last seven days, I want to say we're at $77.43 per square foot list price with a sold price of $76.29. Okay, that's a 1.48% price reduction on your REO and short sales. These are bank foreclosures for the last seven days in Oklahoma City total number of listings within 10 miles of Oklahoma City was five. So we had five close. And this week, we've got four coming on the market. Four REOs. Now, it could change tomorrow. We could have one or two more come on. And I just chatted with Mary Berry. She's one of the just absolute head honchos when it comes to bank connections and bank foreclosures. And uh, they're just getting more and more severe on looking for owner-occupied. They're also uh, vetting the pre-qualification letters a lot more. And if you're paying cash, a lot of those folks are looking for 10% down payment. And if you're doing with a HUD home right now, 10% down payment. And guess what? You don't get your money back during your inspection period. It's crazy. So what will happen is you end up inspecting the property before putting in an offer because you don't want to lose your 10% if something comes up. So uh, getting kind of dicey there, but, uh, you know, I get it. There's a lot of folks that put in offers that never should have put in offers, and they end up uh, busting the contract 25, 30 days later, and it costs the banks, the realtors, and the government a lot of time off market and money. Because they've got to take care of these places for every day they're on the market, and it, it starts adding up. When we look at the inventory for the market in general, uh, for sale, properties that sold this last week, 108 came off the market. Your average price per square foot or list price was $100.92, and really that's played a big role in that $100 price point just in the last two weeks of negotiations. It's just right around that $100 per square foot is about what Oklahoma City's really selling at right now. So that's about what you can expect to pay. The sale price being $97 and that coming in $97.84 per square foot. So you're looking at a, almost a $3 negotiation 
per square foot. Now your median day on market was 27 days, so we're still right underneath that 30 day, and that's just a testimony to the amount of inventory that's on the market in Oklahoma City right now. And that's about it, folks. We're going to go back to Aaron for the news and into our guest, again, Alex Owens. We sat down back in Oklahoma City and we chatted about the market here and what it has to offer and got a little bit of tips and tricks from Alex Owens, the acquisition manager for Barry Rocks Homes in Oklahoma City. Hello, I'm Aaron Christian for the OKC Real Estate Show with this week's news. We're in Florida this week, and I'm a little bit worried about my voice. All I can say is, remember to keep one hand for the boat and the other for your drink. With that said, Hobby Lobby will close all Hemispheres brand stores. Founded in 2001 by Hobby Lobby founder David Green, the chain started with ambitious plans. Green had hoped to grow it into a billion-dollar business and run parallel to the booming Hobby Lobby enterprise. Hemispheres carries a wide variety of furniture and home accents and operates two stores in the Oklahoma City area. The remaining six locations are in Texas. Plans are moving forward to redevelop 16.4 acres at the southwest corner of Northwest Expressway and Pennsylvania near Penn Square Mall. The owners have systematically acquired the property over the last several years with a total investment of almost $15 million. The immediate area continues to be a hot spot for commercial development. Neighboring Penn Square recently added a freestanding container store while the mall itself enjoys high occupancy and jammed parking lots while many other enclosed shopping complexes around the country are struggling. The Planning Commission will consider the rezoning application for Penn Central in late February or early March. Yet another redevelopment planned for Automobile Alley. The area near the railroad tracks and Automobile Alley continues to boom with yet another large-scale redevelopment in the works. The area is in the process of complete transformation with 8th Street Market recently completed, Central Exchange, the Heartland Building, and 6th Street Market all under construction. And a full renovation starting soon at 11 Northwest 8th and plans have been submitted for a nine-story town place suites hotel. The new streetcars run just to the west along Broadway Avenue. Signing off from Florida. Have a great week. Back to Landon with Alex. All right. Thank you, Aaron. We're here in the studio today with Alex Owens. Alex has been part of Berry Rock Homes for several years now, who's a what some may call a hard money lender in town. They've really taken an unconventional approach to lending to folks that otherwise may not qualify or may qualify, but just in a few months giving you the option to secure that home now and worry about your conventional financing later. Uh, Alex, uh, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about how you got into real estate investing. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for uh, letting me come on again. This is a second go around, so appreciate your your time and uh, all the listeners' time. Uh, yeah, as Landon mentioned, I am working at Barry Rock Homes right now. Uh, we're an investment firm here in Oklahoma City that specializes in, like you said, kind of untraditional financing, being able to get people into houses that might not be able to qualify for traditional mortgages. Um, my background, I went to the University of Oklahoma, actually started the real estate club at the University of Oklahoma. Um, that's how I met the two guys I work for now. Uh, so that's really my background of starting that program and then uh, meeting Landon through his Zillow ads and and buying a, a duplex that I still live in, uh, live in one side and rent out the other. So all expenses are paid by the 
left side of the duplex. Um, and so, yeah, basically from there, just started acquiring some rental properties and uh, do some fix and flip properties and and uh, the burst strategy as well, which I think is what we're going to get into a little bit more today. Yeah, so you're uh, a pretty pretty big advocate of biggerpockets.com, hang out with some of those guys, uh, and you're, you're, you're big into the real estate group meetups. So I feel like you really have a heartbeat on what's going on from uh, not just the real estate side or the lending side, but also the wholesaling side and kind of the street, uh, the street action. So tell us a little bit about what it's like boots on the ground here in Oklahoma City in the market. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I am pretty active on bigger pockets. And for those people that don't know that biggerpockets.com is the largest real estate investing platform online. Um, it's a great resource. It's basically like Facebook for real estate investors. So definitely a great resource to, uh, to learn more about. Um, but yeah, so as far as boots on the ground in Oklahoma city, there's, you know, the last few years nationally and, you know, hyper local specifically, I've seen a lot more people get involved in real estate investing. So it's become much more difficult, um, to actually find the deals that are out there. So yeah, we've got a lot of wholesalers in Oklahoma city. Um, a lot of people that are just getting started. So it's kind of hard to, to pick out the good ones from the bad ones. Um, but you know, creating a relationship with the wholesaler is really important. If you're not, if you don't have the time or the funds to actually be sending out marketing materials, such as direct mail or, uh, you know, cold calling or bandit signs or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, personally I do all sorts of different marketing. I try and stay away from direct mail just because there's so many people that do it. And it's so the cost per acquisition is so high in direct mail. It's probably going to be your highest lead source. Um, so I'm doing Facebook ads, doing uh, door flyers, um, cold calling is a big one that I do, and uh, really just trying to find people that, you know, have a property and, and have a problem that, that I can fix. So you have a unique position in that you are behind the desk looking at applications as they come in and meeting investors that need cash, and then also watching when they refi and how their plan went. So tell me a little bit about what you're seeing succeed, what does not succeed, uh, specifically square foot size, uh, type of home, and price points in Oklahoma City right now. Yeah, absolutely. So Oklahoma City, those are, um, you know, so I'm originally from Dallas. So being able to compare those two markets, it's, it's completely different. So Oklahoma City is um, obviously a smaller population. It's going to be a smaller uh, median household income. So what you're looking for in properties, if you want to either flip them or eventually rent them, um, number one criteria, it's got to be a three bedroom. Just bottom line, it's got to be. Um, you might be able to get away with a two bedroom on a rental just for you know a single person that wants an office or something like that. But your three bed, two bath houses is going to be the easiest to rent and the easiest property to sell. Um, the other thing that I look for in Oklahoma City is I don't want anything that's over $350,000. Um, it's going to sit on the market. It's going to, we've got a client right now, actually, that's working on a, I think he's going to come on the market at like 475. And, uh, I mean, he's, you know, fortunately prepared to, to sit there and hold or eat those holding costs. Um, but it's going to be a long, long time on market. So, uh, for me, I'm looking mostly under 250,000 as the ARV or the price point. I want to list the house at, um, when it's all fixed up. Um, and then really just finding the areas of Oklahoma City, like the MAPS projects, um, areas that the city is intentionally putting money into, because um, that's the areas that I want to invest in long term 
And uh, as Oklahoma City grows, those areas are just going to continue to appreciate in value. What about square foot size? Let's talk about that for a minute. I know some people, uh, we had a wholesale deal uh, slide across our desk that was, um, you know, 2,800 square foot. And it was was by far the largest house in the neighborhood. And that always makes me nervous when you're talking about the largest house in the neighborhood or the most expensive house and this kind of thing. Have you noticed a trend on square foot size? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily... say I've noticed a trend, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you as far as um, you definitely want to make sure that you're not the, the largest house in the neighborhood. And if you are, that your, your price per square foot, you actually want to be lower than, than the houses around you so that you can still get that um, quick sale. So yeah, I mean, square footage, any, most people are looking probably over 12 to 1500 square feet because that's where your three bedroom is going to be at. Um, it's hard to find a three bedroom that's under a thousand square feet. Um, but yeah, yeah. As far as being the largest square footage on the market, um, another thing you want to look at too, as far as square footage is going into a house and seeing that it's had an addition done. Um, and maybe the listing says it's at 2000 square feet, but the County says it's at 1800 square feet. Hmm. So that discrepancy sometimes can mean one of two things, either it's unpermitted, which is not good, or it, it was permitted in the County just doesn't have it updated, um, which could then lead you to issues when you go to resell. So um, yeah, you definitely want to watch out for being the largest house in the neighborhood. You want to look out for additions. Um, and, and really, I think the sweet spot is going to be about 12 to 1800 square feet. Mm. I know on the rental side uh, with First Boston, we manage over 130 rentals. And once we start getting over 1200 square feet, we notice that families will move in, friends and other family members, mm-hmm. and you'll get double the wear and tear on your properties. Whereas that 1200 to 1300 square foot, it's just big enough for one family, you know, and they're not moving in the the sisters, boyfriends, brothers, so on and so on. So that's a good metric. Okay, so let's talk just a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, Berry Rock Homes. This is uh, something that's really served you well. I mean, I've seen yep. you succeed quite a bit in that in that company. Um, you guys are doing some great things. Uh, talk a little bit about what that is and how it matters to investors. I mean, I know your your original product was geared towards consumers only, uh, and now you're you're investor centered. So tell us about that. Yeah. So uh, Barry Rock Homes again, investment firm here based out of Oklahoma City. We've got about. $35 million worth of assets here in Oklahoma City and Tulsa um, and looking to expand down into Texas this year. So uh, what we do just from the fundamental side of things, uh, like you said, we are geared towards kind of first time home buyers, um, family, stuff like that. So what the program actually is, um, it's it's not actual lending. So it's what it is, is a lease with an option to purchase. So essentially what we do is find Clients that can't get qualified for a traditional mortgage, and there's you know a thousand different reasons. They don't have 20% down. Their credit score is a little bit too low. They're self-employed, so they don't have the two years of tax returns. They get paid in cash. Um, any reason that you can't qualify is the clients that we help. So they come to us. We get them qualified on our program. We go based on monthly income and their ability to put 7% down. Um, and then essentially what we do is purchase the house for them and then lease it to them with an option to buy that house or sell that house at any time. Um, so yeah, so we, you know, on the family side of things, we buy it, they actually move into it and just rent it from us until they can get qualified for a traditional mortgage. Then they essentially refi out and step into that home ownership position they were trying to get into in the first place. Um, so that's what the program was designed to do. And over the last year or so, we've had quite a few investors that have realized that it's essentially the same as a hard money loan. Um, 
and have you had to utilize the product to actually get into properties, uh, reserve some of their cash by not having to put 20% down, being able to use that cash in the renovation budget, and then having the free will to either refinance that house as a rental or to sell it on the market at any point. Again, the key point being uh, ARV. When you're doing a, a hard money loan like that where there's some additional fees, you're, you need to look at where you're coming out once you do your renovation. Another key element that he put in there is that you don't have to touch your renovation budget dollars. A lot of lenders, I mean, there's a few in town that will actually finance the renovation, but you've got to meet some pretty strict parameters to be working with those guys. Not to mention there's a lot of fees when they talk about funding your construction. Those are construction loans, and that starts to really cut into your profit. And again, when we talked about at the beginning of the show here, the competition's out there. So when you're negotiating against 10, 15 other investors to get the deal, usually the margins are getting squeezed so that anything that you can do after the deal's done to save money you're going to have to do in today's market. So I think that's an important element. Um, Talk to me just a little bit. I know that you are just kind of getting the heartbeat of investors as they're talking across the bigger pockets platform. Uh, I've spent some time on the platform as well. What kind of sentiment are you getting for 2019? I mean, not to be a crystal ball here, but what are you seeing in terms of what's going to happen market-wise in 2019? Uh, Man, everyone's hyping the market crash, but everyone's been hyping it since 2014. So um, that's one thing is, you know, there is going to be corrections in real estate. No one can predict it. No one's got the crystal ball. Um, the most important thing to remember is that there's deals in up markets and there's deals in down markets. People are making money. Excuse me. People are making money in both markets. So you have the opportunity to do the same. Um, obviously, in the up markets, you're going to run into more competition. Um, but yeah, so in 2019, I see a lot of people, um, and maybe this is just because this is the direction I'm going personally, but shifting into multifamily, um, specifically salt, small multifamily, your two to four units, and then small apartment complexes as well. Um, seeing investors from around the country actually starting to uh, to move to this market because of the uh, the cap rate and the uh, the rental rate compared to uh, price ratio. So we've got right now. I'm selling the 31st. We close on an apartment complex. I'm selling to a guy from California um, on the south side of Oklahoma City, and we sold you know another one last year to an investor group out of California. So um, seeing an influx of investors coming into this market. Um, but you know that being said, there's still opportunities for the local guys. There's still opportunities to go out there and make money. Um, and to find deals. So um, definitely don't be discouraged in 2019. Uh, you're going to see a lot of competition, but uh, it's, it's really going it to come down to who's going to stick it out, who's going to work the hardest to, to find those deals. All right. So location, areas to focus on and areas to avoid. Yeah. So um, personally, I, I really love Lincoln Terrace right now. So Lincoln Terrace is the neighborhood just south of the state capitol. Um, it's squeezed between the OU Med Center and the actual state capital. So there's not a lot of room for expansion there. Um, just to the east of Lincoln Terrace is where it starts to get a little rough. So um, that area, you got to be you got to be hyper local and know street by street, house by house, what that area does. Um, but that's an area I'm investing in. Uh, OU Meds actually pledged one billion dollars over the next 10 years to, to create essentially the medical um, an innovation corridor that's right there between like 6th Street. And they're actually planning on going all the way down to 50th Street to uh, Bedlam Barbecue, if you know what that's at. Mm. Um, so Lincoln Terrace, the Capital Corridor, I'm a big fan of right now. You can still get in at, get in at a great price point. Um, 
I could be wrong there. You know, if, if the development doesn't actually occur, that area could not uh, become regentrified. But I, I think all the signs point that it will. Um, so big fan of that on the east side. The cash flow, I think it's important to note out too, the cash flow on those rental properties is still working yep. as long as you don't over renovate. And what he's talking about is west of Kelly, but the areas east of Kelly, which is the main road that runs down to the VA Medical Center, which again is a multi-billion dollar investment area. And then, of course, the capital they've been renovating with all the senators and everybody there. But east of Kelly was once known to be one of the most gang-infested areas in the United States. And since, the police department over the last 10 years has cleaned it up drastically. And so now it's it's getting more investor attention. And there's like duplexes for 75000 each side renting for five hundred. Um, and actually, the tenants, I, I went in one last week, and the tenants were like, no, 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 don't update it, please. You know, like, just keep our rent the same. We're happy. You know, we, we were fine living in this crappy environment, you know, and it was crappy. I mean, like the, the bathtubs, you know, like you could see down the wall behind the bathtub, you know, and it just mold everywhere. And, and they're just like, don't renovate, please, you know, yeah, I mean, let's keep a, it affordable. It's a good opportunity to have, like you said, an affordable rental that cash flows. And then, you know, if, if I'm right in that area becomes what I think it's going to become, you've got the opportunity in five or 10 years to then renovate. There you go. Get the ARV price point you want. Well, and take your rental income that you're making that's paying down the mortgage and then also save that for your renovation budget. It's like this built-in, you know, system. So yeah, Lincoln Terrace is great. Um, what else? Where are we, where, where, maybe some areas where we don't want to invest. I know we had a meeting in Dell City on Friday with the the uh, chief inspector, and that was just like shocking. Yeah. Um, I mean, shocking. Like it's, yeah, so it's some craziness going so on in Dell City. Yeah, we try and stay out of Dell City. And, yeah, uh, for for very good reasons. Yeah, so they Dell City is is special where they don't let your tenants pay their utilities. So you have to as a landlord have to pay them and then get reimbursed, which is crazy because we've got over 350 rentals and probably 25 of them are in Dell City. So to keep track of all those bills and not allow tenants to pay is pretty ridiculous. War Acres does that too with their water and trash. War Acres is only one bill though. I think it's the landlord only has to have one. I think we have to like trash or something. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, yeah. I think it's split. Oklahoma city does one of the something, but yeah. So, um, areas I would avoid uh, back to Lincoln Terrace too far East on, mm. on, uh, like you said, East of Kelly is, is uh, a little rough. Um, Man, I don't know if I would necessarily avoid Southside, uh, Oklahoma City. Capitol Hill is getting, uh, you know, some money put into it, so that might be a good long-term investment. But um, there's definitely parts of the South Side of Oklahoma City where you just want to, you really want to know street by street, kind of what you're getting into. I'm not saying it'd be a bad investment, but your your tenant, um, you know, the people that you're renting to down there might not be what you want, or they might be what you want if it's going to cash flow a little better. It just might be more of a headache. Um, so I don't know necessarily areas I would stay away from. I think you can find good deals pretty much anywhere, but where I typically focus is going to be like Edmond, Yukon, Mustang, anything with a good school district is going to be highly desirable because you're gonna have the families that want to move there. Mm. Now, what about the Northwest, uh, side of Oklahoma city, you know, like Midtown, Uptown, Paseo, uh, the village. I know we've sold the heck out of those things, uh, last year and the year before it was just like free for all. I've watched the prices go up and up. I mean, I've got like six buyers right now in the 130 to 110 range that are just like, Landon, as long as you find a house, I'm buying it, but I can't find anything, you know? So 
I mean, are we getting priced out of the Northwest side as far as investments concerned? I mean, it seems that way. As far as investments concerned, potentially, yes, I think. Because um, if you look at Oklahoma City on a map, because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I'm not from here. So when I first moved here, I had to look at Oklahoma City on a map. And you can see that, I don't even know what highways there are, 44 and 40, I think. Yep. And then the highway to the south, whatever that is, right at the river. And then you've got uh, whatever's there to the east. But anyways, they basically draw a box around downtown, midtown, um, Crestwood, Linwood, all that area. So if you look at it, there's only so much development that can be done in that area because it's compressed by those highways. Um, and that's the closest you can live to downtown Oklahoma City. So as more people move here, more people start working downtown, that's going to be your most desirable area to live. So I think those areas are great for flips. Um, Reynolds potentially, like you said, could get priced out at some point because, um, you know, your investors are going to want to pay 60, 70, 80 cents on the dollar. And you've got a family that's willing to pay a dollar ten. So... You know, those areas for rentals, I'm not saying you can't find deals. You definitely can, but you can definitely see the house flippers coming in, the family starting to move there, and, and there's not a whole lot of more development that can be done in those areas. Um, the village is great. Uh, I've got a property up in the village. Um, and then, you know, Chisholm Creek is a, is a massive development right now. So um, I've got a house on Northwest 103rd Street that you know about. Mm-hmm. Um, and that area is a little bit rough still, but I think potentially in the future, as the the development moves north from the village in that area and south from Chisholm Creek, that it's going to kind of compress that area and, and you might be able to start finding some rentals in there. I think the key element here is when we talk about Oklahoma City, and Oklahoma City, mind you, is a, is a linear market, which you've got your cyclical markets on the West Coast and New York City on the East Coast. And then you have linear markets, usually found in the Midwest. These are these are towns where the appreciation may be two and a half, three percent, and it's just stable. And yeah, you're gonna have some recessions in this kind of thing. And I think when our recession hit, we dropped down like seven percent in the heat of the battle. And so it just goes to show you're in a real stable environment. So the key here is making sure your cash flow numbers work from day one. Yep. Never, ever, ever get yourself into a neighborhood where you're losing money only banking on appreciation. Right. That will not work in a linear market. That is a huge risk. So when the deals are coming across, when we're talking about Pitts Park and we're talking about Lincoln Terrace, we're talking about investing, if you're going for the rental, make sure the cash flow works right now. And then you can invest, and you can and you can do some forced depreciation. But if the if the cash flow doesn't work now, or it's not within you know very narrow margins, fifty, hundred dollars rent increase, and then you're good. Uh, you need to look elsewhere. So yeah, no, I definitely agree. And then going back to um, kind of the difference between Oklahoma City and Dallas is Dallas is becoming a, a hot and possibly a cyclical market at this point. I've actually got a good friend that invests in a town called South Lake, Texas, out there, and he'll buy a rental that doesn't cash flow. Because, mm. he, because the appreciation is so high in that area right now. He made, I mean, in equity value, he made a million dollars last year just on forced appreciation. So he'll buy a house that breaks even because, and again, it's a huge risk, but mm-hmm. that market could potentially support it. If you're banking on that in Oklahoma City, it's a different story. So um, yeah, cash flow is king. Obviously, from day one, the property needs the cash flow. And then if it does appreciate, that's just icing on the cake. You can refinance or you can sell it. Alex, we're just about out of time here. For those uh, guys, Alex is a wealth of information. Uh, 
you know, a lot of lenders will tell you a lot of stuff about products that they sell. Alex will be able to talk to you about information that you need to make a good decision because they are partnering with you. If you fail, they fail, and that's why it's important that they they want to walk with you and say, hey, yeah, that is a good deal. You're right. Let's do this, and and they're excited with you, and that's good to have uh, a member of your team, not just a service that you go. This is an additional eyes and ears making sure your product is good. Um, you've got um, – you know, appraisers and stuff like that, that, that kind of are fail safes. This is another layer of that. Cause they're going to be looking at that deal. What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Uh, yeah. I mean, you can email me uh, phone, anything. So my email is a Owens, a O W E N S at Barry rock It's B E R R Y R O C K homes.com. Um, check out our website there. I think my email's on there or my cell phone is four, six, nine, three, two, three, three, eight, three, one with that Dallas area. I was going to say you out of towner. That's like my wife. We've lived here for what, five years now. And she still has a Texas driver's license. I'm like, I I mean, I'm from Texas. I was born in Texas. I get it. I get it. You know, I'm, I will, I will die a Texan, but you gotta have a driver's license. I mean, come on, like you get pulled over, you you can only tell them, Hey, I've just moved here, you know, so many times before it's like, sure you did. Yeah. All right, Alex. Well, thanks for coming by the studio today. Uh, guys, I'm going to leave this in the description down below. You, you have got his contact information down there, the website address. If you need any more information, you can check out okcrealestateshow.com. We have a properties tab now that we've been working on. Some of Alex's properties are about to appear on there as well. So you can check out some of those as well as we're going to do a breakdown of what the average cost of what a Berry Rock home uh, would be and kind of show you some numbers, see if those numbers plug in. And again, there's a whole art form to it so it has to be with arv and all this but the numbers work when you need them so that's good stuff you guys have a great day thanks for listening subscribe to our podcast to hear fresh local market information we need ideas for our show and we want to hear from you visit okcrealestateshow.com looking to buy or sell in oklahoma city meet with the award-winning team today at okcrealestateshow.com That's okcrealestateshow.com.